Parshas Bahar Bechukosai. Tenants in this world. The Am Yisrael in ancient Eretz Yisrael was privileged to a unique institution not found among any other nation. The Torah law of Shemitah. The truth is that nothing even remotely resembling it could be found among the Gentiles. That every seventh year it should be forbidden to work the fields and orchards is a remarkable way of living in an agricultural society. In those days, when they didn't have factories, most work was agricultural work, which means that every seven years the economy came to a standstill. You couldn't plow, you couldn't sow, and you couldn't reap. Your fields were off-limits. They weren't yours anymore. It was a special way of living that was chosen by HaKadosh Baruch Hu for his special people. And then every 50 years, the Shemitah cycle culminated in another unique year, the year of Yovel. When Yovel came, the nation was once again forbidden from working their lands. Coming on the heels of the Shemitah, it was the second year in a row of letting the fields lay fallow. But the truth is that it was much more than not working the fields, because the Yovel was a year of tremendous upheaval from the one corner of Eretz Yisrael to the other. First of all, all of the Avodim Livriim, the indentured servants who had been sold into bondage for six years, walked out on their masters. On Yom Kippur, ten days after Yovel came in, a trumpet was blown and the sound of freedom went through the land. That's why you have the inscription on the Liberty Bell. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land. It's our Pasuk, not theirs. Ukratem Doror Ba'aretz Lechol Yoshveha. Parshas Bahar. It's talking there about the Avodim Levriim, who went free at the beginning of the Yovel year. Even an Eved Ivri, who had obligated himself to work forever. He had his ear pierced. And the Torah says about him, Va'avado le'olam. He should serve his master forever. He also walked out to freedom. So his master says, but it states forever in the Torah. Why didn't you learn the Meforshim? The slave told him. They didn't have Rashi in those days. But you could have learned the Mechilta and the Sifra and the Sifri. All those Midrashim explain that Le'olam means Le'olamo shel Yovel. But it wasn't only the Avadim who went free. A lot of land was freed up too. The land shall not be sold forever. That means that people who had sold their ancestral lands because they needed the money or they wanted to spend money, all those lands now reverted to their former owners. You can imagine what a hubbub that was. People who had been on lands for decades had to surrender the lands now. And throughout the land, there was a turmoil of moving, of families resettling. And so, Besides for this agricultural nation not being allowed to work their fields, many people lost their land altogether. It was a commotion of national proportions. Now, such an upheaval of a nation that was settled on their own land, a whole nation stopping its normal functioning and thrown into a confusion. It wasn't for nothing. There must have been something to it. What was the purpose of such a great disturbance? HaKadosh Baruch Hu had a big intention here, and so we have to listen to what the Torah tells us. Ki li ha'aretz. Because the land is mine, says Hashem. Now listen to the next words, because that's the punchline. What's the reason for all this? Ki geidim b'toshavim atem imadi. 
because all of you are only sojourners and visitors with me. You're only tenants in my land. That's the plain meaning of the Pasuk. Every seven years when Shemitah came along, and surely when it was followed by the Yovel, Hashem was telling his people, I want you to remember always that you are my guests in this world. It's an important point that most people overlook. When they think about or they study the subject of Yovel, they neglect to notice this, that it's intended as a demonstration that we have a landlord and we're his guests. Every 50 years, the entire nation took part in a big national exercise to remind themselves, There's a Lord who owns the land, and we're just passing through. And it's necessary, this reminder, because habit makes you forget that there's a landlord. It's human nature that when a person settles in a place and he becomes a resident, he begins to forget that great principle, he thinks it's his and that it'll be his forever. After all, how long does it take for a person to become attached to the land where he lives? So after a while, they forget that the land is not theirs. Let's say you move into an apartment and the landlord doesn't bother you. He doesn't come around the first or the second month to collect rent. Next month, he doesn't come either. And the next one too. Ah, it's a pleasure. Instead of paying rent, you put more money into the bank every month. A year passes by. Two years. Soon, you forget all about him. Let's say after a while, he decides to show up and he knocks on your door. You say, who's there? He says, it's the landlord. I came to collect my rent. Rent? What do you mean rent? What a nerve that is. You want to throw him down the stairs. But suppose the landlord comes every year or so and he shifts things around. He says, you, Goldberg, you take apartment 1B instead of 4A. And Miller, you move into 4A. He shifts things around so that you shouldn't get so accustomed to your apartment. The next time he comes and asks for the rent, you won't throw him down the stairs. You're happy that he's not throwing you out altogether. You realize already there's a Baal Habayat. A landlord. Now, when the people kept their Shemitah and Yovel properly, and they utilized the lessons, when they didn't do it, mitzvahs anashim melumada. So every seven years, and then even more so, every 50th year, they studied these lessons in Amuna. They needed time to study. That's one of the reasons there was no work. The whole nation was on vacation. But it wasn't a vacation like an American vacation when people waste their lives. It was a Torah vacation. Every few years, the Am Yisrael got busy learning the sudya of Kili Kolaaretz. The earth is all mine. Not only learning it, they were living it. Everyone is moving. The slaves are going free. And you have a full year to think about it. The whole nation watched and studied and they realized Ah, there's a landlord. It was an education in Amuna on a national scale. But what happened eventually? There came a time when the Am Yisrael stopped learning the lessons. I'm sure that many still did, but the nation as a whole began to weaken. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was trying to teach us that you are visitors here with me. But we got so settled that we stopped listening.
And so finally, that sad day came when Hashem said, I shall scatter you among the nations. It means, now I'm going to send you into exile to remind you. When you're in exile, then you'll remember that this world is not yours. It's like the tenant who didn't get the hint when his landlord was sending him letters requesting his rent. He was just throwing the letters into the wastebasket. And so finally, the landlord says, I'm going to evict you now. And when you'll be somewhere else, you'll understand better. We were finally booted out. And Hashem said, you will learn now the lessons that you should have learned from the Shemitah and Yovel. That's why the Torah says about the years in exile. Az et Then the land will atone for the Shemitah years. Chazal say that the 70 years of the Gullah's Bavel were for the 70 Shemitahs that the Jews didn't keep in Eretz Yisrael. Of course, they kept the Shemitah. Of course, they kept the Yovel. They kept the laws in all their details. But they stopped learning the lessons. It was only now, wandering among the nations, living as guests in a land that didn't belong to them, that the Am Yisrael was reminded of that most important truth about Oilam Hazeh. Now they understood that this world is not theirs. Kili And that we are only guests in this world, visiting for a little while until we have to leave. However, even in exile, there's a danger that you might settle down and feel like you belong in this world. And so eventually they had to leave Bavel too. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Muhammad's armies, other armies, and the sojourning nation had to disperse again. Very many went to Spain, but soon they were expelled from Spain too. Again, they took up the wandering stick and they traveled to Italy, to North Africa and to Germany. From Germany, they moved to Poland and from Poland, they moved to Russia. Later, they came to America. Ah, America, here is a land where we'll stay forever, they thought. I remember when Jewish gangs used to roam the streets in America. I ran with them as a little boy. I wasn't big enough to do any harm, but I ran with them. And we felt it would be forever. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that. And so he started teaching us the Yovel lessons again. The Jews who clustered in thickly populated neighborhoods began to feel the pressure of alien groups. The Italians, the Irish, the blacks started coming in. I say, come. They didn't come. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent them to keep us moving and to teach us that You are visitors here on this earth. Don't think the Africans were brought here for the cotton plantations. The cotton planters are not important enough for Hashem to uproot the tribes from Africa. They were brought here because of the Jews. The great waves of immigration from Italy because of poverty and from Ireland because of the potato famine. The immigration from all Latin countries, Puerto Rico and elsewhere was all for the purpose of unseating the Jews from their feelings of permanence and teaching us Yovel lessons. I went through all this. You see, I am old enough to look back and see all this from the first place where the immigrants settled after the big rush in 1905 and 1906. When they came from Europe, they settled on the east sides of various cities and then they began to move. And they moved, and they moved, and they moved. 
from the east side to Brownsville, and from Brownsville to Crown Heights, and then from Crown Heights to East Flatbush. And they're still on the move. A Jew lives on wheels. He's always ready to go someplace else. You'll be surprised. But I'll tell you a chiddish now. The destiny of the Jews is to be in Gullus. Don't think that we were created to be in Eretz Yisroel. It's a big mistake to think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan was frustrated. We are created for Gullus. Of course, we were created to be in Eretz Yisroel for a certain period of time. But for the rest of our history, until the end of time, our function is Gullus, and Gullus, and Gullus. Wherever we are, it's only a temporary place of visiting, because that's the plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's giving us the Yovel treatment. It's the great privilege of being reminded that this is not the place where you're going to remain. You won't remain forever in Spain. You won't remain forever in Germany. You won't remain forever in America. And the lesson is that you are only a visitor in this world. Now, we can understand better a Gemara that at first seems quite queer. Everyone knows the idea that Yisurim, suffering, can be an atonement for a person. And this Gemara in Sanhedrin is talking about different kinds of atonement that come through various Yisurim. For example, if a person has a toothache, he should realize it's a good thing for him. It could very well be that it's a kapara to atone for talking too much, because you opened your mouth when you didn't have to. So now you're sitting in a dentist chair, and the dentist says, Open wide, please. Mida keneged mida. Had you kept your mouth closed then, you could have kept it closed now too. If a man loses money, it's also a good thing. It could be because he was not giving away enough money. He was holding it all for himself, stashing it away in the bank. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu caused the money to go lost. And he gets a kapara now because of that trouble that he had. Any kind of yusurim, any setback is good for you. No question, it's good for you. Of course, you don't like it. You prefer that it shouldn't happen. But there's no question that it's doing a big benefit for you. Every kind of mishap atones for a specific thing. But listen to what Rabbi Yochanan says there. Golis michaperes al hakol. Exile atones for everything. The Gemara is telling us that if you have a toothache, yes, probably you opened your mouth too much. You lost money in the stock market. Could be you're not giving tzedakah properly, and you just got a kapara for that. But along comes Rabbi Yochanan, and he says that there's one medicine that's good for everything, for all kinds of misdeeds and errors. What is it? Gullus. Exile is the very great panacea for all spiritual ailments. Now, such a statement, such a tremendous idea, is something that we should study very carefully. Because it's a question, what's so great about going into exile that it atones for everything? And the answer is what we're speaking about now. The source of all sins is forgetting that you're a visitor here, that you're just stopping by for a hundred years, and that there's a lot to accomplish in your short stay on this earth. When people become attached to one place, after a while they start thinking that they're here for the next million years. It's not an exaggeration. That's exactly what they think. Of course, if you ask him that, he'll ridicule you. But in his heart of hearts, he still hopes, maybe I'll make it. 
At least he lives his life that way. Along comes Gullus to remind you that you're not rooted to one place. And that's why feeling like you don't belong is such a perfection that it's mechaperes alakol. Because it changes your character, your entire attitude, the way you think, is now transformed. Gullus makes a man feel insecure. It reminds him that there is a landlord and he is only the tenant. And that is the Yisodayisoyus. It's the foundation of all foundations. When a person begins to gain that attitude, he gains the frame of mind that will make him successful in this hundred-year exile. Now, included in this attitude, that we're visitors in this world, are very many things. We won't have time to discuss all of them tonight, but some of them we'll study now with the Chayvus HaLavavus. Listen well! Because the words of this great man always deserve your attention. In his Shad Cheshbon HaNefesh, the Chayvus HaLavavus presents the reader with 30 different ideas that every person should spend time thinking about. 30 mental exercises that are recommended for people who want to make progress. Now you can be a good Jew, even if you don't strain your mind too much. But if you want to be something better, if you want to be successful in this world, it's necessary to contemplate certain ideas. At the end of this great list, he comes to what perhaps is the most important attitude upon which he urges us to spend time thinking. I will quote his words. Hamashlim hashloishim hu cheshbon ha'adam im nafsho. The thirtieth thing that a man should think with himself is about his circumstances of being a sojourner, a visitor in this world. It means that every person should set aside some time to meditate with himself about what it means that we are only temporary residents of this world. He's not telling us to merely read these words or even to repeat them. He's urging us to spend time thinking, thinking of ourselves as being visitors who don't ever feel completely at ease and settle down. That should be the picture of a man's own existence in this world. He doesn't really belong here. He's only passing through and therefore he should never feel completely secure in life. Now, don't think it's easy to acquire that attitude. It's not so simple to convince yourself that this world is not your place. But when a person puts time into thinking about this subject, even if it's just a few minutes a day, so little by little, he becomes persuaded that he's only a visitor here. And once he's convinced that his days are numbered, whether it's numbered at 70 or 80 or 120 years, it's going to come to an end. That's already an entirely new way of thinking. And included in that attitude is knowing that he won't get a notice beforehand. Very many times it comes suddenly. Khalila, people suddenly go out of this world. Some people die in their sleep without any previous warning that the end is near. Other ways too. There was a man we know, a young man, who was driving his car under an overpass and a big block of cement that had worked its way loose, suddenly fell on him just as he was passing by. It extinguished his life in a second. Nobody can know. Ki lo ha'adam es ito. Nobody knows his time.
and therefore to be ready for the visit. To be over is surely important for a visitor. He's always prepared for the journey, always thinking what he can take along with him. He can't sink all of his money into real estate because suddenly he might get an order that he must leave. He's always checking how much ready cash he has on him, making sure he has the supplies and provisions needed for his journey. You know what kind of lesson that is for success in this world? It's everything. It means don't wait. Now it could be you'll live 120 years, but even that is not too long, and therefore all good deeds have to be done as soon as possible. There are so many things to do in this world, so many important accomplishments, and so many good things that you'll think of doing. So do it as quickly as possible. When you understand that you're only a visitor, your attitudes change. I can't wait. Whatever you have to do, you should do it. Now, here's a man. He davens fast. He knows you have to daven with Kavana, but he thinks, I'll get around to it someday. Well, you won't get around to it if you keep on waiting. When people postpone doing good things, they're taking a big risk because usually something happens suddenly and the good things don't happen. Like one young man I once knew, I asked him, why don't you come to our shurim? This was about 30 years ago. He said, I'll come, but not right now. First, I want to make it in the stock market. By my 40th birthday, I'll be wealthy enough to stop, and I'll be able to sit and learn all day long. He never hit 40. This young man never hit 40. A man in our shul. Knowing that we're only here temporarily will make us feel the necessity to do, to stop delaying. Let's say a man is grateful to his wife for what she did, but he never says thank you. He'll say it someday, one day, he thinks. And so that one day finally comes when he's in the funeral parlor and she's on the gurney and he's sitting and thinking, I'll tell her thank you now. It's too late now. So thank your wife while she's still here, while you're still here. Thank your parents while you still have them. No one is around here forever. Now, another important attitude that develops in a person who realizes that he's only a temporary visitor is that he is satisfied with whatever circumstances he has. You know, if you're just a stranger, if you're only in this place for a short time, you don't want a palace to live in. You're not so interested in having a big mansion house. You're satisfied to have a room. You can lock the door. Very good. You have a couch to lie down on? Excellent. You have a toilet, maybe? A pleasure. Even when it comes to eating, you're satisfied with any kind of meal? Whatever comes your way. If you practice up, you become a person who is satisfied with the minimum. You behave in all of your affairs only according to what's necessary. I'm not saying you shouldn't put away some money to last you for your old age, but it doesn't mean you need millions. You need something, but when you understand that it won't be forever and that there's going to be a very long old age after you leave this world, so you're satisfied with a modest kind of existence. Not only satisfied, grateful as well. The Chayv says that whatever benefit is bestowed on a visitor, even if it's only a little bit, he is quick to acknowledge it and give thanks.
when you're a visitor, for every little thing you feel a wave of gratitude. And so the guest in this world is not too particular. He's not too much of a fine schmecker. Anything he gets, he's happy with it. And he thanks the landlord for it. And therefore, don't wait until you have a lot to thank for. Any little good you have, you should thank for it. If you're married, thank Hashem. Ah, I'm married. Many people are not married. If you're normal, thank Hashem. Very many people are not normal. They mope in their apartments. They can't go out of the house. Baruch Hashem, I'm normal. Many people can't walk. Baruch Hashem, hamechin mitzadegaver. I can walk. You have to thank Hashem for that. You're just passing through anyhow. So be satisfied with whatever he gives you and thank him. You don't have headaches. You're a lucky man. You don't have heart trouble. You're a lucky man. You're able to hear. You're a lucky man. You're able to see. You are a lucky man. Every day, every morning, you thank Hashem. That you woke me up from my sleep. Not everybody wakes up from his sleep. That's how a visitor thinks. And that's what makes the visitor in this world successful. And that's why Gullus is Michaperes Esakol. Exile is the most valuable kapara because there's nothing like exile to make the truth hit home that you really are nothing but a stranger in this world. It's not merely a parable. It's an actual fact that you're only visiting and therefore the more a person feels like he's on the move and that he's in exile in this world, the more he'll succeed in making use of the world. Now, don't make any error. I'm not saying it's an obligation that you have to call the moving man. Of course, if you live in Edison, New Jersey, and you want to move to Flatbush or Burr Park, it certainly is a mitzvah. Even to move from East 13th to East 7th is a good idea. I'm telling you that now. From East 13th to East 7th, move closer to us. Us means our shul and the mere yeshiva. This is a good neighborhood, a Torah neighborhood. It's a good move to make. But wherever you move, whenever you move, even if it's just one block over, you should know that it's Gullus. And you should utilize the opportunity. You should remind yourself of the purpose of moving, of all the great lessons included in the Torah attitude, that we are only temporary visitors in this world. How do I know that one block to another is also Gullus? It's a Gemara. Everyone knows that if a man kills somebody unintentionally, he has to go into Gullus. He has to flee to one of the cities of refuge, and he remains in exile as a form of atonement. After all, there's an element of negligence there. Good, you didn't want to kill that person, but there's some negligence involved. So you go to Gullus, and that's Mechaper. So suppose now a man already lives in a city of refuge and he kills somebody by accident. So now he's in a bind. Where should he go? He's already in the Ir Miklat. So the Gemara in Makkah says, he moves mishchuna l'shchuna. He moves around the corner from one block to another block. A little move like that? That's an exile? Yes, that's Gullus too. Because when you have to move, it's a reminder that you're not such a big macher. You're not as permanent as you imagined yourself. 
you're reminded that there's a Boide who is a landlord and that you are just a visitor who is passing through. And so even though you're not going to exile like when we left Spain, when they had to move from Spain, they felt the bitter taste of exile. They had to pay for passage on ships with wicked captains who exploited the passengers and did whatever they wanted with them. Sometimes they even threw them into the sea. All kinds of sawdust they suffered. But we're learning now that even when a man doesn't undergo any vicissitudes, merely the exile of moving from one block to another, that's also a kapara. If you'll take the opportunity to learn the lesson. And so, when moving day comes, after all, sometimes you have to move. It's a hectic day. There were many days of packing beforehand, and you don't live a normal life anymore. You can't find your things. They're already packed away. And finally, the big van comes outside and they come in and start carrying things out. You're neither here nor there. You're nowhere. That's a wonderful opportunity. While you're moving, think, it's a lesson, Mina Shamaim, that this world is just moving day. Don't forget to think these thoughts. Keep in mind the following four words. Galus mechaperes. Al Hakol. Exile atones for everything. So great is the perfection that's gained from moving that it's Mechaper Al Hakol. And even if you're lucky enough to live 50 years in one place, that's unusual in America, but it happens sometimes. Don't make any error. Don't forget that your entire life is one big moving day. You're only passing through. You're sitting in your house and you feel settled. That's already trouble brewing. So imagine for a minute that the movers are in your house already and they're lifting your furniture. Make that picture in your mind because that is actually what's taking place. Because this world is not yours. You're only visiting. You're moving. Now the Gemara gives us an example of how we can profit from this lesson even when we're not moving. The Gemara states that sometimes a man has a premonition that something is going to happen to him. Now, it could be that there's nothing to it. It could be a nervousness, an obsession. But it could also be a message, mina shamayim, a warning to get ready for something, a catastrophe, Khalila, that maybe you could ward off. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us an emergency measure of what we should do. Of course, you could think, I'm giving $10 tzedakah to the yeshiva. Or you could say, from now on, I'm going to tefillah b'tzibur every morning. You could think a lot of good things, but sometimes it takes a little while before a man is able to bring himself to such a step. So the Gemara gives a capsule that you can take quickly, an emergency expedient that might save you. Linshof miduchte dalad amas. He should move from his space, from his place, at least four cubits. It's a piece of advice that wouldn't occur to us. Let him move from his place where he's standing or sitting. It's a remarkable statement. Jumping four cubits. What is that? Is it a superstition, Khalila? Oh no, there's no superstition in Torah. And so we have to understand that. And it's understandable. The idea is that it's a minimum gullus, a minimum exile. Even to walk four cubits away from where you were standing in gullus. Of course, once you move from your place, it's still a good idea to add something. 
Add the $10 for the yeshiva. Or add the thought of coming tomorrow morning to Tefillah B'Tzibur for Shacharis. But you're moving from the place. That's the beginning. That's also a kapara. Here's a man standing on the corner holding his suspenders. He owns the world. Not the world, but he owns the place where he's standing. This is my place. That's how it used to be in the good old days. Nobody could push you away from your place. You can call the policeman. Today they can push you off and knock you down and the police will be afraid to do anything. But in the good old days, if you were standing on the place, nobody would push you off your place. And you imagined it would be forever. So in order to remind yourself that you don't own this part of the globe where you're standing, walk away for Amos. Even where you're sitting now is a security that makes you forget that you don't belong to this world. It's psychology. If you sit in one place, even for a short while, then the confidence that's gained by your tenure of that place makes you forget about Tashem. I say psychology. It's Torah psychology. If you look deep into a man's neshama, you'll see that whatever your present situation is, you think that's how it's going to remain forever. And in order to get out of that rut and remind yourself you're only a visitor, so you'll get up and walk away a little bit, it's an emergency measure to remind you that you're only visiting in this world and that you have what to accomplish. That thought, that attitude, as small as it may be when you move for Amas, is a perfection of character. Merely by changing your place, you have already restored some of the awareness that you are no longer such a permanent toyshev. So next time you have some worries, even in your own kitchen, and you don't know what to do, there's a strange premonition that takes hold of you. So remember this Gemara and walk four cubits away. Four cubits is about between six to eight feet from your previous place. And think, I'm not the boss here. I'm only a stranger here. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. And that is such a medicine that it heals everything. It's Michaperes Al HaKol. Even that little bit of gullus is salutary. It's beneficial because it causes you to remember the most important of all lessons, the lesson of this week's Parsha, that there's a Baal Habayis. You're only a tenant here. Now at first, some people tend to become a little disheartened when they are told that it is not their final place. They would like to be reassured that this is the place to be for the next hundred million years. They'd like to continue the way they're going now. And it is depressing to them when you talk about Oilam Haba. But listen, my friends, cheer up. If you come here, then you know that in this place, we're on a pleasure cruise. We're here for good times only. We never talk here about things that are depressing. And so this is part of the good time cruise that we are sailing on. It'll help us enjoy our stay in this world if we will realize that we're headed to a better place. I wish I had more time to talk about that. About how, on the contrary, being aware of Oilam Haba actually sweetens our stay in this world and it makes it so much more zestful, so much more delightful. We'll talk about that one day. 
The true happiness of a Jew is always to be aware of Hashem and to be aware that you're going to meet Hashem someday face to face. That's the great happiness of life. If people were aware that life is short and you have to snatch whatever you can out of life, they'd be busy accomplishing. And accomplishing means that you're happy. It's only because people in their subconscious minds think that the present situation will last forever. That's why they're bored. But we are not bored by this life. We are trying to get all we can out of this life because we know there's a purpose to life and it's a preparation for a very great career that waits for us. And because we're trying to make that preparation the very best we can, just because of that, we are going to get the most out of life. And not only are we going to accomplish more in life, we're going to enjoy life more than any other nation on the earth. That's why it says in the Torah, Asher otam ha'adam bahem. You'll do the mitzvahs and live through them. When you know you're only a visitor, you make the best use out of your visit. And that person will do these mitzvahs. It means mitzvahs and Torah and chesed and midas, and he'll live. V'chai bahem. It's the person who knows that you are visitors with me in this world. He's the one who lives best. He's the one who lives most. And live has two meanings. He'll live more happily in this world, and he'll live most happily in the world to come. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. One of the foundations of succeeding in this world is remembering we're only visitors here. This week, I will remind myself twice a day that I'm not going to be here forever. And each time I will consider one of the practical applications of the Yovel attitude that we learned from the Chayvah Salavavos. One, no procrastinating when it comes to accomplishing in Avodah Hashem. And two, training myself to be satisfied with the minimum and feeling genuinely grateful for that minimum, just like a guest would.